This is Brand and New from the International Trademark Association. This podcast series explores changes and dynamics in the legal world, now and tomorrow, with a focus on intellectual property. Welcome to Brand and New. I am Audrey Dove. Over the last couple of years, we seem to have been the witnesses of some kind of acceleration of history with uncertain economic, social, geopolitical, and environmental landscapes. And at the very same time, innovation and market potentials keep expanding with digital transformation from blockchain to social media and virtual worlds that become increasingly powerful for brands and affect the way companies engage with their customers. But how are these extreme circumstances impacting large groups and traditional legacy brands as challenges to overcome, but also opportunities to evolve? And to what extent such brands are playing a part in all of these events? What kind of commitments shall they make to stay aligned with evolving social values and expectations, especially as they relate to diversity, equity and inclusion? Our guest today is Alexandre Ricard, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Pernod Ricard, one of the world leaders in the wine and spirits industry, present in more than 160 countries and holding one of the most iconic and internationally recognized brand portfolios in the sector, including brands such as Absolute, Jemison, Martel and Chivas Regal, to name a few. Alexandre, grandson of emblematic co-founder Paul Ricard and a graduate from ESCP and Wharton, joined Pernod Ricard in 2003 and successively held various strategic positions within the group, finally as chairman and CEO since 2015. Alexandre currently stands as one of the youngest CEOs of the 40 top companies of the French stock market. He is also board member and member of the Strategy and Sustainability Committee of the cosmetics giant L'Oréal. Alex, thank you very much for accepting our invitation today. Oh, it's a pleasure. So I, I had a look at your Instagram account. You say, it's not business, it's passion. Passionate about what I do, proud of the teams making Pernod Ricard unique, humbled by what we create, conviviality. How do you share and nurture this passion for your brands within the company? Listen, first of all, uh, I, I have to say that I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to be able to do something I'm, I'm so passionate about. We're in the people and brands business. Behind every single brand, there is a creator, an entrepreneur that is passionate about what he or she uh, has done. Some of these entrepreneurs are partners today. Some of these entrepreneurs are part of history. You think of John Jameson in 1780. He was passionate and obsessed with quality when he was distilling whiskey. You think of James and John Chivas in the early 1800s that were absolutely passionate about whiskey blending uh, more specifically. You think about my own grandfather who founded uh, the Ricard brand, which is a French pastis back in 1932. He was really passionate about what he was doing. The, the way uh, today uh, people are, are passionate about what they do is, first of all, I think we're in a fun industry. We're not just in an industry of selling wine and spirits. We're also in an industry of spreading conviviality, which means 
togetherness and celebratory moments where we somehow unlock the magic of human connection. And this drives passion around the whole business. People who join us, the talents who join us on a regular basis, join us because they like what we do, they love the business, they are passionate about it. And uh, this is what it's all about, people and brands. What would you say the special ingredients are for brands to become stars? Well, behind every single brand, there are people. There's a team of people who are passionate, as I mentioned, but also very creative. And uh, they basically leverage the brand's expression, the brand's DNA, if I may, to engage with consumers around the world, to let them know what the brand stands for, why the brand is what it has become, its history, its authenticity, its origin, its terroir, its base. I like to say that there wouldn't be any brands if we didn't have people uh, behind them, starting with the creators, but then people who basically work the brand on a daily basis to bring it to life in today's world. Pernod Ricard's ongoing mission is to unlock the magic of human connection by bringing good times from a good place. There's a strong demand for some clearer, stronger, increased social commitments from brands, especially as it relates to what we call diversity, equity and inclusion, so DE&I, focusing on the relationship between the brands and their customers. Beyond the statements, what does a DE&I culture mean in practice as regards the brand's positioning and behavior in the market? That's a great question because if we want to be true to ourselves and uh, our vision being créateur de convivialité, which is bringing people together, uh, no matter their origin, uh, where they come from, uh, who they are, uh, to unlock that famous magic of a human connection, which we really believe into, in order to do this globally, given uh, the diversity of the world in which we live, Our vision from a DEI point of view is we want our teams uh, to perfectly reflect the world in which we operate. If we want to understand consumers and the diversity of consumers around the world, we need to be diverse ourselves. So we set up, by the way, a DEI council whose mission is really to make sure that we get there. Not only do we want diversity, but we want diversity to feel that uh, we can express ourselves. And that's the inclusion piece as well, which is critical uh, to feel that everybody has his or her say in today's world. And that's how we'll, we'll generate even more creativity. That's how we'll be able to engage even more so with consumers around the world. So that's the journey we're on. It's a long journey because the world is complex. The world is very diverse and uh, we want to get there. Right. We're, we're making sure we will. And how does it work in practice? Do you have KPIs? We, we definitely have KPIs. I think if, if you want to transform your business, uh, if you want to make changes effective, you need KPIs. Uh, when I took over as chairman and CEO, just to give you one example, gender, uh, gender diversity being one example, female at uh, top leadership positions in Pernod Ricard, you had 19%. Today, uh, which is six years down the road, seven, let's say years down the road almost, we're at 35. So we went from 19% to 35%. 
knowing that our ambition is to achieve uh, basically balance. Balance can be anywhere, male-female or female-male, uh, between 40 and 60%, I don't know, but uh, we want to get there, and we will. We're, we're well on path uh, to get there. Uh, looking at the international footprint of Panericard, with your 240 brands, uh, how can social and cultural differences factor in a DE&I strategy? You know, there's an old Pernod Ricard um, saying, which is local roots, global reach. I think that our global footprint uh, gives us the opportunity to be basically uh, everywhere. Uh, our brands are present in roughly 160 different uh, countries. But uh, what our teams do locally is they, they adapt big global brands to be locally relevant by understanding what local consumers want what they desire, how they think, uh, and we basically localize everything from that point of view in respect of local culture. And that is what makes our brands relevant everywhere. They have a terroir, they have an origin, they come from some place. You know, if you take whiskey, they can come from uh, Ireland for Irish whiskey, they can come from Scotland for Scotch whiskey, they can come from Kentucky for bourbon, from Tennessee for Tennessee whiskey, from many other places in the U.S. for American whiskey, from Canada for Canadian whiskey, uh, from Japan for Japanese whiskey, from soon enough China with single malt will, will be the first ones to come up with a mainland Chinese single malt. That's the origin piece. But then when it's sold locally, it's made relevant locally, respecting local culture. And that's the beauty of it. So there's a terroir, an origin on one side, and it, it is expressed relevantly, if I may say so, or culturally relevantly in any given market. With the COVID-19 pandemic, raw material shortages, climate change challenges and geopolitical conflicts uh, from Europe to Asia, the world has been facing heavy turmoil over the last couple of years. And arguably more than ever, brands across all sectors and industries have adapted to these issues and social challenges in their market-facing communications and their internal processes. How is Pernod Ricard navigating this environment and the related injunction for brands to not only take stances but also be the change? Now, there's a, there's a clear point mentioning brands earlier on being true to themselves having a history, standing for a given set of values. The way brands are addressing this is twofold. Uh, first of all, and uh, we're making sure it happens, we have a, a clear sustainability roadmap around our brands. The underlying visions is we want every single one of our brand to eventually achieve full carbon neutrality to play their own part in the climate change agenda of the world. And we're pretty well on track to make this happen. I'll just give you uh, one example. Uh, for instance, Irish Distillers, who's the, the brand owner of Jameson Whiskey, amongst others, announced uh, two uh, big investments, one of 50 million euros and a second even bigger one of 250 million euros. So that's 300 million euros. Number one, to create a, a new capacity, uh, a new distillery, uh, which will be uh, carbon neutral from scratch. And number two, to transform the existing uh, distillery and a, a fully carbon neutral distillery uh, as well. So that 300 million euro investment will be made over the next uh, three years. And by 2026, Irish distillers distilling capacities in Ireland 
will be carbon neutral. Uh, so that's the, the first way we play our, our part and our brands play their part in the climate change agenda. And then we also have brands that are true to themselves and at the same time can take strong stances. But in order to do so, it needs to be part of their, uh, their DNA and, and the way they, they were brought to life uh, into the world. One example, again, in this case, I'm going to take Absolute Vodka, uh, which has always stood with the uh, LGBT uh, population and takes a clear stance from that point of view. So every single brand, I believe, has a role to play. So you mentioned that the brands need to be true to themselves. Sometimes does it imply, uh, to a certain extent, a, a transformation of the brands, the, the general context, the environment? You know, not only brands transform themselves, but also do organizations. And I like to say an organization is a living organism and people as well. So people, organizations and brands evolve continuously over time because that's part of our story, our history. That's uh, as human beings, we, we all behave. If we want to remain relevant in today's world and, and continue to do so in the foreseeable future, Given that the world changes, uh, we need to change as well uh, with this. So the answer is yes, but it needs to happen in an authentic way. You cannot artificially change a brand. I think that brands that are century-old brands need to stay true to their uh, core values. And every single brand has its own set of values and then can change over time, just like people do. And uh, that's that's what our teams In particular, our creative teams and marketing teams are here to do. INTA is a global association representing more than 30,000 brand owners and professionals dedicated to supporting trademarks and related intellectual property to foster consumer trust, economic growth, and innovation. Let's talk about innovation. Accelerating digital transformation has become a must for any company given its impact on brands and related income generation. What are the innovations that will be the game changer for you, for the beverage industry in the future? I would say there are three types of innovations uh, I focus my work on. Innovation regarding people's working environment, number one. Number two, innovation related to the organization and our ways of working in terms of our digital transformation. And three, innovation around our brands vis-à-vis uh, -vis our consumer base. On point one, uh, there's what I call the workplace of the future, where technology innovation has radically changed uh, people's relationship to, to their uh, daily workplace. Uh, I'm referring to remote working, I'm referring to uh, visio conferences and meetings, but also uh, referring to the way we want to generate um, basically real human connection amongst our teams in this new environment. Uh, so around that whole first pool of innovation around the, the working place, basically the building we're staying in uh, right here is the perfect illustration of the way we've changed our uh, working environment open space, clarity, um, designed uh, to generate improbable encounters amongst people at coffee machines and meeting rooms. There's not a single office. I don't have an office. There's a lot of flexi work and everything is done to attract people to the office. So that's one example. 
The second pull is uh, around our digital transformation, uh, leveraging innovation around technology uh, and leveraging data uh, to be able to engage in much more efficient ways with our consumers, getting to know them a lot better, obviously respecting their privacy, etc., which is absolutely critical. But by better understanding our consumer, our consumer tastes and profiles, we can better address their needs. And there's a lot of technology and innovation that allows us to do that much more uh, efficiently and at scale. So that's that's the second area. And the third, well, based on consumer insight, we have we, we know consumers love newness. They love to try new things. And so we're in a position where we can come up with uh, innovations around our brands. And what we like is innovation with a purpose. So not just a, a flavor here, flavor there. It's really understanding what any one of our brands stands for and uh, how we can stretch that brand into new propositions that our consumers uh, will like. Uh, you know, we, we, we know that uh, a lot of people love cocktails. Within cocktails, one of the biggest whiskey cocktails, especially for Irish whiskey, is the Old Fashioned, which is an orange-based uh, 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 cocktail. Our Jameson team came up with a Jameson Orange, uh, which is Jameson whiskey with a hint of, of orange flavor to it to, to enhance the Old Fashioned cocktail with Jameson. Uh, for those who want to trade that way. So um, this is another example. What, what do you think the virtual world, and we talk more and more about the metaverse, for instance, will bring to the table? What I like about, uh, about what I call Web3 is blockchain technology. Because what blockchain technology uh, allows us to do with our brands, in particular with some of our rarest brands, is we can leverage global platforms that really have global reach, where we can propose to consumers around the four corners of the world very rare products that they can they can buy uh, through the blockchain, through NFTs, uh, and basically have the whole process secured for them. I, I view that space as a huge growth opportunity for us, and I view that space as an opportunity both for us as suppliers of whiskey, of cognac, of let's say rare products, to have global reach through these platforms and also as an opportunity for consumers around the world to be able to access through these platforms uh, to rare products that they aspire to. Innovation is as much an opportunity as it can be a threat to brands and, and businesses. Uh, with increasingly outsourced supply and distribution processes and applications, online marketing and social media engagement, most companies have seen their exposure to cyber threats go over the roof. How have these risks affected the way you engage with your customers? Now, cyber cybersecurity is uh, one of the uh, biggest, newest threats in the world, not in our industry, in the world, whether it's for governments, uh, whether it's for any given uh, company. We see and read in the papers, we see in the media, there's not a single day that goes by without a cyber attack somewhere. And uh, what this has generated is basically upskilling and capability building for a company like ourselves around cybersecurity. It has obviously, as a consequence, increased dramatically our investments in uh, cybersecurity as well. And so far, I'd like to say uh, so good, but it's something which is top of mind. It's on our risk map. 
it is something we recognize very important and we keep investing more and more and more in capabilities as i said in skills as i said and in infrastructure and software uh, to protect ourselves thank you very much alex i have a few last rapid fire questions uh, for you the first one What intellectual property, uh, from trademarks to patent, represent for you as a CEO? Well, uh, we, we started this meeting by saying that our two greatest assets are our people and our brands. So we want to protect our people and we want to protect our brands. And the IP is the name of our brand. Uh, the product itself, the patent behind the product, is ours and so we have in place a workforce and that is designed to protect our brands from that point of view it's a lot of work by the way just to give you one number we have more than 50 50 000 ips uh, in in and this number is obviously growing and it is our greatest asset so it's uh, for me as a ceo it's my number one priority people Brands. The last book you recently read uh, and that you would recommend to our listeners? Amongst the books I looked at and read, the one I, uh, I would suggest or recommend is called Drunk. And it's about uh, the story of alcohol throughout human civilization and, and the role it played. Quite interesting analysis. And I believe it's a bestseller, by the way. The sustainability initiative that inspires you? Well, I'll tell you, in, in our sector, I have to say, there are two things I'd like to stress that we're actively working on. The first one is partnering with farmers around the world. You know, uh, I was mentioning earlier on, we want to become carbon neutral uh, in terms of company, and we're well on track to get there. But a lot of the work we do uh, is with farmers around the world, thousands and thousands of them. And if we want to play our role uh, as citizens of the world, we really need to partner with these farmers and uh, help them as well through that transition. They won't do it by themselves because they don't have the means, probably not the knowledge uh, to that extent. Uh, so this is my first most inspiring thing and I'm, I'm seeing this happen in, in our uh, industry. The second one is more at, at the vision level uh, as we speak is thinking of the packaging of the future. I think many other industries are working on that. That is the challenge I gave my teams, especially our creative teams and operation teams, to work together, uh, to collaborate, and to think outside of the box to see what the packaging of the future could look like. Uh, there are a number of initiatives. I could name two uh, recent ones one being the paper bottle, which is something we are experimenting. Uh, will this be the packaging of the future? I don't think so, maybe, but it's, it's a start. Um, there's a lot of innovation at stake there. Uh, the other example is uh, we're piloting uh, uh, something with a, a startup, an amazing, very inspiring startup called EcoSpirits, which again is around packaging of the future with vape containers and a, a refill a strategy with a vision of having a whole logistics which is carbon neutral uh, and many other uh, initiatives. Uh, I don't see anybody being at the stage at the very forefront of that transition. I see everybody working uh, in line. Uh, I'd like us to take the lead. Thank you very much, Alex. Well, thank you. 
My guest today was Alexandre Ricard, chairman and CEO of the wine and spirits company Pernod Ricard. Thank you for listening to Brand and New, brought to you by the International Trademark Association. Be sure to tune in every two weeks on Tuesday for new episodes. If you like today's podcast, please subscribe and share it. We are always looking for new people to discover brand and new. And to learn more about INTA, its resources and events, please visit www.inta.org.